everyone, and welcome to another Monday night, and we're going into the final week of the Major League Baseball regular season. Next Monday night, when we join you, we know at least one team, the Cincinnati Reds, will be in the playoffs. We're hoping for a second team, and that would be the Cleveland Indians. Glad to have you along tonight. I am Dave Mitchell for tonight's Ohio Baseball Weekly Show, where we sit back and talk about the Cleveland Indians and the Cincinnati Reds. And let's bring on board our resident Reds expert, Mark Donahue. Mark, how are you tonight? Well, I think we should both be feeling pretty good about right now. And again, I, I mentioned this last week in our show that had we known we were going to be here at this point with our respective teams going into the last week of the season back in March, we would have been awfully excited because I don't think – I mean, I think the Reds – I think you'll agree. The Reds going into the season, I think, were the favorites to win the division. But I don't think anybody, unless they were they maybe a little unrealistic, expected the Indians to be where they are. So it's it's a it's a great thing. And I, I was thinking back, Dave. You probably know better than I. The last time I can remember that both the Reds and the Indians were in the playoffs was I think in 1995. Is is that accurate? I believe that is the case. Yes, it was 95. I know the Indians faced off uh, in the first round against Boston. Do you remember who the Reds had that year? Yeah, they they beat L.A. and they swept them in, in the first round and then got beat uh, by the they, – then they, in turn, got swept by the Braves in the second well, round. Well, it, it, it could be a recurrence for the Reds if they can get past this first, the first uh, round game. But, hey, I think we're uh, – Looking a little bit, uh, maybe just kind of looking at this thing, Mark, and not giving the Reds as much credit as they deserve, is, I guess is what I'm trying to say, because, yeah, they've got a playoff berth virtually sewn up. If they uh, win tonight and the Nationals lose, then, of course, the Reds are in the playoffs. That clinches the berth, but they're only two games out of first place. Yeah, and you you mentioned an interesting scenario here, because... The Cardinals are faced with the task of playing a team that's desperate in Washington. And it wouldn't surprise me if the if the Nationals go in there and win two of three games, which would certainly help the Reds. And the, if the Reds win, they will eliminate Washington uh, just, just because they're going to make them mathematically out of it. But the but the Nationals could really do the Reds a favor and, and get them – into a position where they're only a game or even tied for first. I mean, it's possible the Reds could be in first if the Nats would sweep the Cardinals. That's not likely. But it is likely the Reds are going to win two out of three from the Mets. They should. They better. Or sweep them. So, you know, the Reds have a chance, and it's going to come down to that last series against the Pirates. But here's a, here's a doomsday scenario for Pittsburgh. Let's say the Nationals go into St. Louis and sweep them, and the Reds actually win the division. That means, and, and, the, and the Pirates get swept by the Reds or have a tough week. The Pirates could be out of it. The Pirates could not get a playoff berth, and it's not out of the realm of possibility that that could happen. I think it's a better chance the Reds are going to make it uh, than than the in the Pirates, but. Uh, you know, the Reds could be out of it, too. I mean, there's, there's a lot that's going to happen this last week. It would take a, a miracle scenario for the Nationals to do it. But, uh, you know, the Reds and the Pirates could, could be on the outside looking in. Mathematically, it's still possible that could happen. Well, and I think a, a even more likely scenario, Mark, would be the fact that, yeah, the Reds and the Pirates played three games in Cincinnati over the weekend, Pittsburgh could just stay over and play the first playoff game, I believe it's on Tuesday, in Cincinnati. That's right. And the thing that scares me is that, let's say the Reds sweep the Pirates, but they still both make the playoffs. That will have meant the Reds have won five out of six of those games, and then <laughs> then they play the Pirates. And just, you know, by the, the pro- laws of probability, it's it's possible the Pirates come in and despite getting you know, whacked around by the Reds for five or six games, they turn around and win that playoff game. So there's a lot of excitement. A lot of things could happen. But you, if you look at the list of teams 
that are out there. There's 30 teams that start the season. Every one of them think they have a playoff chance. And it's in the National League, it's down to four. The Reds, the Cardinals, uh, I'm sorry, it's more than that. It's the Dodgers, the Braves, the Reds, the Cardinals, the Pirates, and the Nationals. So of those 15 teams, there's still seven in it. And that makes for a tremendously exciting um, you know, playoff picture. But you know, if you look at the way this playoff is structured now, there certainly is an advantage to win your division. But if I were to make one suggestion to Bud Selig, and I'm sure he'll take my call, uh, I would make the, the wild card playoff a three-game series, a best of three. I think that would add a lot of excitement. It, it, it's more fair, uh, particularly for teams that have been very, very competitive, like the Reds, the Cardinals, and the Pirates. I mean, whoever wins it is probably going to win it by no more than two games. So it's to me, it's unfair that the other two have a one-game playoff to determine whether they, they go on. I, two out of three, I'd be fine with. Inadvertently, Mark, as you normally always do, you've brought up a topic for conversation that I want to bring up in the second half hour of tonight's show. We'll get to that. But, hey, the Indians, on the other hand, also, are right now a game and a half in that last playoff setup. They are a game and a half ahead of Texas and winning that thing right now over the uh, Rangers. They're a half a game behind Tampa Bay. That's a big thing right now is they are half a game behind Tampa Bay, and they are going to work on that. Now, let's take a look at what the Indians have to do this week. They are off tonight, and they've got two games going on with the White Sox. That will be tomorrow and Wednesday. And then they go for their final road trip of the season. That will be four games in Minnesota. They'll play Thursday night, Saturday or Friday night, Saturday night, and Sunday afternoon. Now, it's always been a tough place for the Indians to play is in Minnesota. So those games are not setups set for the Indians. Now, I felt going into these last ten games of the year, the four games against Houston, then the two games against the White Sox over the next two nights, and then the games against Minnesota, I felt at that point in time that the Indians – had to win seven of those ten ball games. Well, when you look at it, they've won four right now as they swept the Houston Astros. They did that over the weekend. Matter of fact, just to let you know what happened there, that is a team record. It ties the team record for the Indians, Mark. They've had six four-game sweeps. That's the first time that that has happened since 1961 when the New York Yankees did it. Quite a team there. But it also was the first time that the Indians have had six four-game sweeps in one season since 1954, which was 59 years ago. That was also the year that the Indians won 111 games out of 154, and they ended up being swept by the New York Giants in the World Series. So that is what the Indians have to do. Now, right now, the Indians are 86 and 70 overall. They're 5 and 2 on the week and they're 8 and 2 in their last 10. They're in second place. Forget about the division. They're not going to catch up with Detroit. That is a foregone conclusion. Detroit, their magic number is 2 going into tonight's action. Kansas City is also too far behind to have a realistic shot at catching the Indians. Now they have a mathematical shot, but realistically they don't have a shot at catching the Indians. Now, as I said, Tampa Bay has got Baltimore. Then they come up with the Toronto Blue Jays, and they also have to play the New York Yankees this week. So when that happens, that's what Tampa Bay has got going for them. So conceivably, with the Indians just a half a game behind Tampa Bay, Mark, it's a situation where they could make that, that, that top wild card spot and thus host the playoff game starting next week. So after going all through that, Mark, the Indians still have a shot at hosting a playoff game after everybody thought that they were going to be out of it. So it's it's quite the end of the year, there's quite a month of September that the Indians are putting together. You know, after what they did with Detroit, when they lost those games to Detroit, I think everybody, if they were being honest with themselves, thought the Indians were out of it. And I saw the Indians play every game this weekend, 
And it looks like a different team. I mean, there's a lot of confidence. Uh, they're getting some big hits. Uh, the pitching has been outstanding. And they're doing this without Masterson. I mean, it's it's really amazing what, what they've done. And, and what's what's the prognosis on his injury? Is he going to be ready for the playoffs? Well, they had Masterson throw a simulated game on Friday. They wanted to see how he was going to be on Saturday, and Francona said that he was in great shape. His arm didn't hurt. His his oblique muscle felt good. So they felt that he could probably pitch one game before the playoffs came in. So this is me figuring this out, not anybody else. The Indians are keeping mum on what's going on. But I'm figuring, Mark, that if he threw on Friday, felt good on Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday would be the fourth day, I think he would probably pitch the game in Chicago, or not in Chicago, in Cleveland, against the White Sox on Wednesday. And then that would set him up, if he pitched well, after Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, he would be in stride to make the one-game playoff against Tampa Bay or whoever it's going to be next Tuesday. That's me thinking that because I think the Indians want to go with Masterson in a one-game playoff and go with Ubaldo if they would win that one-game playoff, go with Jimenez to start off the playoff series against whomever that might be. Yeah, the other thing that you look at here is the probability of either or both of our teams getting beyond this 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 one game playoff into the playoffs and what is their what are their chances of winning and speaking for the reds tonight is a big night johnny cueto is making his second start now he started last week against the astros but looking at what the indians did the astros over the weekend what the reds did to them last week that's a glorified triple a team <coughs> and in cueto pitched five innings of shutout ball but Tonight, you're playing a major league team, not, not a great team, but it'll be very interesting to see. If he goes six or seven innings tonight, gives up only one or two runs, Dusty Baker is going to have a very, very interesting decision to make about who is going to be on that pitching staff for the Reds, who is going to be on their roster, because a lot of players are coming back healthy. And, and guys like Sean Marshall and Johnny Cueto and the emergence of uh, of um, <laughs> what, what am I thinking? His name escapes me. The center fielder, uh, Shinsu Chu. Can't believe. Yeah, Chu is, is is hurt, and so there's a lot of decisions that have to be made about this roster, and uh, it, it's amazing how all this stuff has uh, emerged. And speaking of emergence, Billy Hamilton. What do you do with him? He's not on the roster. Somebody would have to go in the DL for him to to make the roster. So a lot, a lot of stuff's going to happen in the next seven days, and it, it, it's going to be very exciting. Well, and also, I, I want to jump ahead just for a few moments, Mark, because when you look at what's going on standings-wise, the playoffs are totally up in the air. Now, in the American League, you pretty much have it figured out. Boston's going to have the best record, Oakland the second-best record, and Detroit the third. They're the division champs. Then you've got Tampa Bay and Cleveland that if the season ended right now, those would be the two wild cards, depending upon where they would play. But then you've got to figure out, okay, if Tampa Bay wins, they can't play Boston, so they will play, probably, they would play Oakland. But if the Indians win, they would play Boston in the opening round, and Oakland would play Detroit. Now, in the National League, it's a totally different story, because there are two games separating Atlanta, St. Louis, and L.A., Atlanta's 192, St. Louis 91, and L.A. 90. So there is still some decision-making there as to who's going to have the best record in the National League. And then you've got Pittsburgh and Cincinnati that are nipping at the heels of St. Louis. And if either one of these two teams really go on to a tear, and those other three teams that have won the division, except with the exception of St. Louis, go into a slump, either Pittsburgh or Cincinnati could even finish with the top record in the National League in this last week, Mark. So this last week in the National League means a lot more than it does in the American League. You know, this reminds me, I, I always thought, and, and I still think highly of the March Madness, because it's, it's tremendous excitement over an extended period of time. Even the first round, you have these 
always have these big games, upsets, and it makes it for such an exciting month of March. But you look at what's happened in baseball over the last month, and the, the last month of the last couple of seasons, actually, uh, it's been tremendously exciting and keeps fans' interest. And even teams that are presumably out of it in April or May, they go on a tear and, and they're back in it. They may not they may not qualify, but they're in it. Look at the look at the American League and all the teams that are that are vying for that last wild card spot. Uh, that that is really smart marketing, and that extra wild card has really added a lot of fun and excitement to the to the end of the year. I mean, this past weekend. I, I had my MLB on almost 24-7 following games. It had nothing to do with the Reds. just because it was exciting to see what was happening in Cleveland and in New York and all these places that were still in the running for a playoff spot. Mark, from an outsider looking into Cincinnati, it would appear that Billy Hamilton brought a breath of fresh air to this ball club in, in September. And I know you're talking about, you know, what do you do? Do you keep Hamilton on the roster or what? Well, what's your guess? I mean, has he really been that much of a spark plug to this team in September? And if it was you, would you keep him on the roster? Number one, I would keep him on the roster. But number two, Marty Brenneman, who has seen it all, stated yesterday that in all the years that he has been broadcasting the Reds baseball, over 40 years now, he has never seen the emergence of a rookie and the impact of a rookie so immediately on a team as Billy Hamilton has produced for the Reds. I'm telling you, when yesterday, he had three hits yesterday. Should have had four, actually. And they, they charged an error to the shortstop. It should have been an extra bait, another hit. But he has, I think he's, what, 12 for 12 or 13 for 13 in stolen bases. And it really hasn't been close. And he's stolen those against, presumably, not presumably, but two catchers who are highly regarded in, in Molina and the catcher for the, for the Pirates. And, he, he has beaten those throws easily. And against the second string catchers, it's not even been close. He, he goes in standing up. It, they, they said yesterday, it's very interesting, that it is, it is physically impossible for a catcher to receive the ball, throw it to second base, in the time that Billy Hamilton is running from first to second at this point. You can't do it. it just You cannot catch it and get rid of it. They had the, the optimal speed, but Billy Hamilton is out running the ball. And that is assuming that the pitcher is holding him, him on as best he can, and the catcher gets a, a pitch he can handle and makes the perfect throw. It's the perfect throw. So they were saying yesterday, even with the perfect throw, you can't get him. Now, he's not going to get a great start every time, obviously, and he'll be fooled, he'll, he'll, his weight will be on the wrong foot, and he'll get caught eventually, sure. And there'll be times when he's tired. <laughs> as, as Dusty Baker said, because someone mentioned, well, at this rate, he would have stolen 150 bases in the major leagues. He goes, no, he won't. He said he's never going to do that in the major leagues because of fatigue, you know, better pickoffs, and you know, things that will wear him down. He'll get hurt, he'll have a sore leg, whatever it's going to be. But very interesting, they said, how did they, in the minor leagues, he stole, what was 150 bases last year, something like that, but he got thrown out something like 24 times. And they asked Dusty and scouts, how did that happen? And they said, well, of the 24 times he got thrown out, 16 or 17 were pickoffs. They didn't throw him out. He got picked off. So, and then two or three times he overslid the base or whatever. But uh, this guy is the most exciting player I've seen come to the Reds. Uh, gosh, I'm trying to think who would be as as exciting in a player as him, other than you know Jay Bruce when he came up, and you know some other talented players. But it, it's really lightning in a bottle right now. Well, and as always, whenever you get into a pennant chase especially in the month of September, Mark, as you know. Also, ran players have to be able to contribute for a team to get over that hump. And for the Indians, it's been not only Ryan Rayburn throughout the entire season, but Matt Carson, who had an outstanding spring and was one of the last guys that they cut on the regular season roster, has come up in September. And Mark, he's hitting 780. 
and he's already had two game-winning base hits for the Indians and playing right field. And it's just been, like, like you said about Billy Hamilton, a breath of fresh air to see some of these kids that are able to really go out and, and do their job during the month of September. And a couple of guys I want to bring up about the Reds tonight are two guys that haven't hit throughout the entire season, and here in the month of September, they've hit, and that's Frazier and Cozart. Yeah, it's, it's particularly interesting with Cozart because I know you don't follow the Reds every game, but he has changed his stance, his approach uh, over the last month. He's worked at it. And that's what you get when you have a smart kid. I, I don't know if you've heard him talk. or uh, he, He's a very articulate, intellectual yeah, type so. player. He takes, his craft, he, he takes his craft seriously. He, he's got a good college education. He's a smart kid. And he has, he has worked at this. And he's changed his season. He's turned it around. And with uh, Todd Frazier, uh, he has so many holes in his swing that I'm surprised he ever gets a strike. Like yesterday, on the first pitch he swung at yesterday in the first inning was in the dirt, and I, I mean it was four feet in front of the plate when it hit, and he swung at it. Next pitch, the guy throws him a fastball right down the middle. And he hits it about 430 feet to left center field. I mean, no cheapy. This guy is stupid strong. They say he's the strongest guy on the team. And when he fills out a little bit, and learns the strike zone, he is going to be a punishing hitter. But right now, you wonder why anybody throws him a strike. At the same time, I think, again, he's a smart kid, and he will, he will get better. I, I wish he would shorten up his swing a little bit. He has a very loopy swing, and with his power, he doesn't need to have that, that loop in there. But if those kids can carry on next year what they're doing in the last couple of months, that Reds lineup is, is a bundle to deal with. I mean, it really is. So yeah, it, it's, it'll be very exciting to see what's going to happen next year. Yeah, it's so exciting that your dog is even getting fired up about it. <laughs> but, you know, you look you look at this, Mark, and, and I've got to say that not only have Cozart and Frazier seemed to really turn it around in the month of September, but maybe not so surprising – but Jay Bruce has really put this team on his shoulders during the last six weeks and has been hitting the ball. He sure has, and he's got 17 RBIs in the last week. And people were complaining that he had kind of uh, he got over 90 and stopped his RBIs. But he has the kind of power, and he's making the kind of contact that he has the ability to put up just ridiculous numbers over a short period of time and carry this team for, for two or three weeks. Yet if you're a Reds fan, you certainly hope that he is teeing it up for the playoffs because, <coughs> pardon me, if he and Votto get hot at the same time, I don't care who's pitching. Uh, they're going to have trouble with the Reds. Well, and you've got Bruce, who hit the 100 RBI mark, and you've got Phillips, who hit the 100 RBI mark, and two guys with 100 RBIs. It may seem like an easy thing to do, but it's very, very rare in Major League Baseball. Matter of fact, I think the last time Cincinnati had it done was when uh, Bench and Foster did it, I believe, back in 77. I think you're right, and it's ironic. Had you predicted at the beginning of the year the Reds are going to have two guys with 100 RBIs, you certainly would have Joey Votto among them. But that's not the case, and the reason is Joey Votto doesn't get pitched to. And he <laughs> – but – Somebody mentioned yesterday uh, on the broadcast kind of a what if next year if you have Billy Hamilton leading off, chew if the Reds re-sign him, and I think they will, by the way, uh, have him hitting second and Votto hitting third, you're going to have somebody have 200 RBI into this team because those guys are on base all the time. And if Billy – yesterday, what's amazing about Billy Hamilton yesterday he dragged a bunt, uh, took it with him down the first ba baseline. They didn't even pick it up. They had no chance. And then he hit a ground ball to the shortstop. No chance. Uh, he had another ground ball to the shortstop who, who tried to rush his throw and dropped it for an error. Then he had, he had a solid base hit to, to left field, and he walked. So I don't know why people would walk this guy, but he's got a pretty good eye. 
and he'll get better. He'll get stronger. But um, 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 imagine if you're going to have Joy Votto, number one, on base percentage, Chu, number two right now on base percentage, and if Hamilton has a 350 to 400 on base percentage, again, you're going to have somebody on the Reds hit 100, drive in 150 runs. I'm, I'm not being facetious. It could be Jay Bruce. It could be Ludwig. It could be any number of people who, who are in that position, but they're going to get a lot of RBIs. Well, we've got an excellent question coming up on our Ask Us segment, simply that has to do with that, Mark, and that will be coming up here in just a few minutes. And if you still want to get into our Ask Us segment, you can send us a tweet at OHBB co-host or send us an email to askus at ultimatesportstalk.com. Of course, the Reds are playing tonight. They're taking on the New York Mets at Great American Ballpark. Uh, we've got no update on that score, and the Indians are off tonight. You know, Mark, one thing the Indians have a shot at doing with the rest of this week is having their largest one-year improvement in almost 25 years, 1991 to 1992, they had an improvement of 19 games that year. Right now, the Indians are on track to break that big time. Right now, they've got the overall record of 86 and 70, and this is the biggest over 500 margin that the Indians have had this year, 16 games. I'm figuring, Mark, in these last six contests that they've got against Chicago and at Minnesota over the weekend, I think if they can go 4-2, and two, they've got the playoffs made. That's just my guess. Well, based on history, what's their record against Chicago this year? Well, they've swept them in four series this year, four four game series this year. So I think they're fifteen and two. I think is the mark. Yeah, nineteen. Yeah, fifteen and two because that's seventeen games. They've got two games left. That's nineteen. So yeah, they're fifteen and two this yeah. year against the White Sox. Well, you, you, you know, statistically, if you were in Las Vegas, they'd say the White Sox are dead <laughs> this year and they're going to get beat twice. And then they have four games left against Minnesota. Is that the way it finishes out? Yep, they go to Minnesota for the last four. Okay. So, I mean, I, I think yeah, at least four to five of six. Uh, the, the way they're playing now, the energy in that team, I, I just don't think those clubs have a chance to beat the Indians. So, uh, if you know, if, if you're going to step up, if you've come this far, I would expect the Indians to. Win. I'd be disappointed if they didn't win five of six. Well, it's fairly easy to say that I think the Indians would probably want to face Oakland in the first round of the playoffs if they're able to get that far. I know they don't want to play Detroit. Boston, they've played tough against this year, but that's too much of a Cinderella story to have John Farrell going up against Terry Francona. I, I don't like the matchup there for the Indians. On the red side, Mark, who do you think is the best team for them to face in the first round of the playoffs, I'm talking about outside of the wild card game, and who's the worst? Well, I think Atlanta would be the team the Reds match up best against. Uh, Atlanta doesn't hit that well. I think the Reds can handle their pitching. Uh, the team that scares me among all the teams in baseball are the Dodgers. Uh, if, if they, you know, Kershaw in a, in a, a seven-game series, he is going to be awfully tough to beat three times. I mean, this guy, he's going to win the Cy Young again this year easily, I think. And he won it two years ago. Ari Dickey won it last year. But uh, Kershaw is just a stud. And even though the Reds beat him last week or two weeks ago, I'd hate to have to face him in a playoff. Now, in the between the Cardinals and the Pirates, I don't think it matters. I think the Reds match up better against the Pirates. I don't think the Pirates are nearly as good as the Cardinals. So the question is, here's, here's the psychology of all this. If you have a choice, who would you rather play in a one-game series, and who would you rather play in a five-game series? Because, you know, I think the Cardinals, they're, they're tougher to beat over a five-game series, but in a one-game series, you know, I'm not sure they have the stopper pitcher that the Pirates do. In, in a one-game series, I mean, I don't know if you saw Lariano pitch the other night. He, I'll tell you what, he was almost unhittable. And the Reds have a, a left-handed dominant lineup. 
I think I'd rather face the Cardinals in a one game and then pay, face the Pirates in a five game. Yeah, I think I would agree with you on that. And, you know, I've been questioning all year just how Atlanta is winning their games. I, I don't get to see a lot of Atlanta. I did get to see, to see them play the three-game set against the Indians uh, back in late August. Mark, I wasn't really impressed with Atlanta. And if you remember, I asked you, how are they winning all these games? I've seen them play probably about 15 times this year. I don't know how they're winning. Well, number one, they're in a weaker division. <laughs> number one, uh, there's a lot of teams in that division that were pretty bad this year. The Mets and the Phillies, uh, you know, just not a lot of good teams. So that that's one secret. Uh, they do have solid defense. They they've gotten timely hitting, uh, but you know they may they may run the table and win you know twelve straight playoff games. But uh, you ask who I would most prefer the Reds to play, it would be Atlanta of all those teams in the playoffs. I think the Cardinals are going to be a handful in a five-game series. Um, I think the Dodgers are going to be tough. The Reds are going to be tough. Nobody wants to play the Reds. I can tell you that. I mean, when you have – if Cueto is healthy, their top three pitchers are going to be Cueto, Latos, and Bailey. And even though Bailey got beat the other night, I'm telling you, his stuff – it's amazing. He is just overpowering right now. He's he's far more overpowering than Latos is right now. So you've got to face those three studs. That doesn't include two guys that have won 14 games in Arroyo and Leak. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's a pretty awesome starting rotation the Reds have right now. Mark, I want to get into something about the Major League Baseball playoff system before we get into our Ask Us segment and the questions about the Reds and the Indians. And the thing I want to bring up is, you know, up until 1968, Major League Baseball went with a one-league system. And that was whoever won the league went into the World Series. Well, in 1969, they went to the divisional setup and they set up the playoffs. Mark, I'm of the opinion right now that the way that they've got baseball set up with the three divisions and then two wild cards... Why not just eliminate the divisions and go to the top five teams, just go to the one-league setup like they had up until 1968, and then just take the top five teams and seed them the way that they do right now, with the best record getting home field and the second best, third best, and then you've got the two wild-card teams that are getting in. What, what do you see as the advantage or disadvantage to doing something like that? Well, I think you, by doing that, you eliminate a lot of the excitement that comes at the end of the year because you'll have some divisions that you barely have to play 500 to have a shot at winning the division. So, in other words, you could be 10 games behind in the wild card, but only a game and a half or two games behind in your division. So, again, it, it keeps more teams involved. Now, the argument against that is, why should a team that's barely playing 500 be in the playoffs because they win their division as opposed to a team that's 20 games over 500, lose their division, and lose the wild card? So you can argue it both ways. I kind of like the way it's set up now. Uh, I, I don't think there's a, a disadvantage that I see or an unfairness, and that's the thing you want to be careful. What is the fairest way and what is the best way to reward a team for staying in it the whole year? And secondly, if you're Major League Baseball, you want as many cities packing the stadiums as you can get in September. And if your team is out of it, if you're 30 games behind or no chance for the playoffs, so if there's two 15, if you're talking about two 15-team leagues, basically. If you're, if you're 10th or 8th even and you have no chance for the playoffs, is anybody going to show up? Well, and that's that's the question. I mean, but the, the thing I'm trying to get away from is the constant interleague play. I, I think it's outrun its course, but the way that they've got the league set up with 16 and one, 14 and the other, you've got to have the interleague play, or I'm sorry, 15 and 15, 16 up until uh, this year. The 15 and 15, you've got to have interleague play every week, every day, in order for the schedules to match out. And what what I'm trying to do is come up with a, an idea 
that can somewhat eliminate interleague play and have a more balanced schedule. Because to see the Yankees in Cleveland being traditional rivals, Mark, the way that they have been since the beginning of baseball, is disappointing to only see the Yankees come to Cleveland once and the Indians go to Yankee Stadium once. I think that's that's disappointing, not only to the average fan, but to the, the stalwart baseball fan. Well, obviously the answer to that question is add two more teams, which further dilutes the, the strength of each oh. of each team. But, you know, the the difference between being in the playoffs <clears throat> Or not being in the playoffs, if it's determined too early, uh, you you lose a tremendous amount of fan base, and I think the that Major League Baseball is cognizant of that, and these these smaller divisions, um, you know, certainly add to the excitement at the end of the year. Now, <clears throat> one other thing that I, that I can't say I would support necessarily, but something that's been talked about is having like they do in the minor leagues, you have a first half and you have a second half. You know, you win the first half, you you qualify the playoffs. You win the second half, you qualify, or vice versa. You don't you don't qualify unless you have the best records. So you know, there's different ways to do this. But right now, I think all in all, I think it's if you ask most fans, I think they would say it's a pretty fair system, and it certainly leads to a lot of excitement. Yeah, it certainly does. And you can always go back to 1981 and have an argument against. The first half, second half, right, Mark? Yeah, do not bring that up. That's a, that's a sore <laughs> subject for Reds fans. If people who don't remember, some of you who weren't born in 1981, uh, the Reds had the best record in baseball that year, and because of the strike in a split season, uh, they had the best record but did not win either of the halves. And they, they were, I think, a game behind or a game and a half behind in both halves but because of that, they did not qualify for the playoffs, and they had a great team that year. And it really, that was the last good team the Reds had. They, they should have gone to the World Series or the playoffs at least, and the next year they had the worst record in baseball. Hey, we've got about 20 minutes to go in tonight's show, and let's go into our Ask Us segment now, Mark, where they can, our fans can ask us questions about the Reds, the Indians, or anything else in Major League Baseball. You can tweet us your questions to the address at OHBBCoHost, or you can send us an email to askus at ultimatesportstalk.com. Mark, the first question tonight comes from Johnny B5 about the Reds, and he wants to know who you think the Reds' rotation will be heading into the playoffs. Who will be the ace? And then if they get past this first game, what do you think the rest of their rotation will look like? Well, those are two entirely different questions, and... I don't think you can answer that question yet until you find out what happens this week. Right now, I think the Reds would start Matt Latos, but Latos is supposed to start Friday night against the Pirates, which means he could not start or would not start against the Pirates. So the the rotation this weekend in Cincinnati is supposed to be Latos on Friday, Bailey on Saturday, and Arroyo on Sunday. Now, if they need all those games, in other words, if, if they don't have a good series against the against the Mets and they need all those games, that will probably be the rotation. If they were to sweep the Mets, then you have to wonder what Dusty would do. And the wild card here is Johnny Cueto. If Cueto pitches well tonight, would Dusty consider starting him either Sunday against the Pirates, if that game is meaningful, Saturday against the Pirates, if it's meaningful, or even Tuesday against whomever they're going to play in, in the wild card, presuming they don't win the division. If they win the division, then they're going to have some time off to get their rotation set up. And again, I, I think it would it would be Leto starting. But, but don't forget the Reds have a lot of depth in that rotation, even if Singrani isn't able to come back and pitch. So it'll be, again, it's it's a good problem to have, but the, the fly in the ointment is his last three starts, Latos has not pitched all that well. He has not been dominant as he had been before. What is the prognosis on Singrani? Well, he's got a stiff back. He did not make this road trip to Pittsburgh. 
Uh, it wouldn't surprise me that he pitches on Thursday or on Wednesday against the Mets if he's physically able to do so. That It's hard for me to believe that game is not going to be of importance. And further, right now I think it's going to be Cueto and then Leak, and then Wednesday will be either Latos if the Reds win the first two games. I, I think that they're going to pitch Latos. That would then give Latos, he'd be off Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, and come back and start Tuesday in the first game of the playoffs. That's what I hope happens. So we'll we'll see what happens. But, uh, again, a lot of what Dusty is going to be basing his decision on about who to keep on the roster or who to start is how well Cueto does tonight. If he pitches well, uh, Dusty has a lot of options. Well, being from Cleveland, Mark, I can say that Singrani lucked out by not having to go to Pittsburgh. Our our next question comes from Connie, who wants to ask this, virtually the same question about the Indians going into the playoffs. She wants to know who the ace is going into the playoffs. And, Mark, I hope you're sitting down because I think the Indians' ace going into the playoffs is Ubaldo Jimenez. Hard to believe I'm saying that. What? But I think he is the ace of the staff right now. Well, you would have called him the ass of the staff not long ago. <laughs> so that that is a big turnaround. But, you know, I, I saw him pitch the other day, and he reminded me of the guy that was in Colorado three years ago. He was, he, he was throwing darts. And that herky-jerky rotation is hard to fi- motion is hard to figure out. But he was his fastball. I mean, I, I the game I saw. Maybe it's not been consistent, but I saw him at ninety four, ninety five, ninety six, mm-hmm. and I, I'd not seen him that fast uh, earlier in the year. So maybe it's the adrenaline. Who knows? But uh, he looked like the guy who pitched for for Colorado three years ago. Well, his option is up this year. It's a mutual option, so. Um... It could be uh, the pennant race. It could be the fact that his contract could be coming to an end. Nobody knows. But the fact is, Mark, he's 4-2 and two in the second half of the season with a sub-2 ERA. And his velocity, as you said, has been averaging right around 94, 95 miles an hour, which is the best it's been all season long. And then I think you got Corey Kluber. That would be the number two starter. And then if Masterson is back on his game... You can put him at either two or three, and you still got Scott Casimir, who has pitched some outstanding baseball. Four of his last five starts, Mark, have been just stellar. So I think the Indians going into the playoffs, boy, if they can make it, hopefully they can they can make some noise. Let, let's move on to Pete Rose 14, who asked this question about the Cincinnati Reds, and he said, "Guys, is it better to win the division for the Reds?" or get the wild card, depending upon who you're going to play. Oh, that's not even close. You you want the division because you, you don't want your season to end on a bad hop to the shortstop with two out in the ninth inning after 162 games, and that can happen to any, to any team that goes into a one-game playoff. So the Reds are much, much better off, to, especially with their rotation, uh, to go into a five-game series. And I said that they, they would play Atlanta at this point. And I think the Reds could beat Atlanta. Now, can they beat the Dodgers? Well, they swept them two weeks ago, three straight games. Uh, yeah, they can beat them. They can beat anybody. Uh, so th- it would be the Dodgers at this point against the Cardinals, assuming the Reds don't win the division, and then the Reds and the Pirates, and then hopefully the Reds and the Braves. So I think the Reds can beat the Pirates. I think they can beat the Braves. Now, in, in, the, in the finals, I would much rather play the Cardinals than play the Dodgers. I think the Cardinals are beatable. Uh, you can pitch to that lineup, even though they're they're unconscious with two out and two and runners in scoring position. I've never seen a team do it like this. So hopefully, you know the fates will catch up with them. But uh, you know it's it's interesting, Dave, when you look at the Indians. Too, we're talking about the Reds now, but the Indians can beat anybody. There, there's no team in that league that is a super dominant team that the Indians can't beat. Is Boston tough? Sure, Boston's tough. Uh, but the you know the Reds went into uh, the and played the A's or the A's came into Cincinnati. The Reds just swept them two games. Uh, they're beatable. Uh, you know who, who in that league isn't beatable? 
Nobody. And the Indians and the Reds, here we are talking here at the end of September, the Indians and the Reds could be in the World Series, and it's no longer a pipe dream. Is it highly probable? No. Statistics say it's not going to happen, but these teams certainly are good enough to make it to the World Series, and if they did, I just can't wait for you and I to be talking smack to each other during the course of a seven-game World Series. That would be really fun. Mark, I think the dream matchup for the Indians, and you're going to think I'm nuts when I say this, but what the heck. You've thought I've been nuts before. Detroit. The fact is is that if the Indians face off with Detroit in a playoff series, nobody expects them to win. Detroit probably doesn't even expect them to win. The Indian fans don't expect them to win. Maybe the Indians don't expect to win, so they go into a series against the Tigers knowing that even if they lose, they haven't lost anything. They've made the playoffs. But Detroit, right now, they've got the weight of the world on their shoulders after losing the World Series the way they did last year and this being a championship or bust season. Boy, when you're facing a team like the Indians that you have just dominated all year long, it could be tough to face the Indians. Well, yeah, psychologically, I think you're right. And you look at what has happened to the to the Detroit pitching staff the last 30 days. Scherzer finally won his 20th game, but he had tried four straight times and got beat around a little bit. And the rest of the Detroit pitching staff has not been stellar the second half of the year. They've certainly been good, but nothing like the Dodgers. And it really, you know, the hitting, any any hitting can be stopped by good pitching. That's the old saying. And when you look at the pitching stabs on, on all the teams, I think the Indians and the Reds have as good a pitching as anybody. And that's how you win World Series. So this, this last week is going to tell the tale, but I firmly believe the Indians are going to make the playoffs. Uh, I don't think they're going to back down now. They, they, they control their own fate. And I, I just don't see them collapsing and, and, and not getting in. Uh, if the Reds don't get in, it's because they will have lost five of their next six games. Is that possible? Yeah, that's possible. But statistically, I don't think it's a high probability. Okay, we've got two more questions on our Ask Us segment, one for each team. TribeFan14 writes in, Guys, can the Indians sell out for the playoffs? They've had a tough time selling out for any other game this year. I, I guess my reaction to that, Mark, would have to be they'd better. Um, so far, the Indians' front office, and I'll stick up for them, have done everything that they can do to put a winning ball club on the field. I think it's time to let the animosity toward the Dolans go, at least for this season. And this team deserves the support. They've they've played their butts off all year long. And if they get into a one-game playoff at Progressive Field, Mark, I think it deserves to be sold out. And the city of Cleveland would get another black eye if it wouldn't sell out. Well, I think it will because, frankly, I think there's more excitement in Cleveland over the Indians than there is uh, about the Reds in Cincinnati. Again, the Reds are expected to win. They should win at this point. It wouldn't surprise me if the Reds are not sold out in the Mets series. I think they'll be sold out over the weekend with the Pirates. But it wouldn't surprise me that you only have 20,000, 25,000 people at the next three games. I hope I'm wrong, but I can I can see that happening. Uh, but with the Indians, I think the Indians fans, they certainly have shown in the past that if you put a winner on the field, they're going to support it. And uh, there's a lot of excitement about the Indians right now in Cleveland. This last question, Mark, comes from Anonymous. And I wish they would have given us our name because I think this is an outstanding question. Maybe not on the face value, but when you sit down and you think about this, Anonymous is making an outstanding point. And they say this. Last year entering the playoffs, Joey Votto was coming off of a knee injury, and Scott Rowland had set out most of the year with a bad back, and then Johnny Cueto got hurt. Are the Reds a better ball club this year entering the playoffs than they were last season? Very simply, yes. Uh, the Reds are better because they have more experience at some positions that last year were either rookies or their or, or their second year. 
mainly at, at, at uh, shortstop and behind the plate with Devin Masaraco. Masaraco has made light year advancement this year behind the plate and at the plate. And, and Zach Cozart has played a flawless shortstop and he's, he's hitting very well. And Todd Frazier, I'll tell you what, everybody talks about Scott Rowland's defense. This year, Scott Frazier, or Todd Frazier has played as good a third base as I've ever seen. And this guy has just played excellent ball. It doesn't mean he won't make three errors in the next three games, but his throws are on the mark. He's, he's making tough plays. He's turning the double play. And he, he's much, much better defensively than he was the year before. All around, either the Reds still have that vacuum in left field, but <clears throat> I was looking at that lineup the other night against Pittsburgh, and you have Ludwig hitting fourth. That That's a tough lineup to negotiate. I mean, they, I mean, you look. There's just no, there's no soft spot in it when these guys are hitting, and that's what I listened to the the pirate broadcast yesterday, and they said the same thing, and that is with Ludwig out of the lineup yesterday. Dusty put Heisey in. Everybody was screaming about that. Heisey goes out and gets three hits. They put Billy Hamilton in for Chu. He gets three hits, steals two bases, and plays good defense in center field. So the Reds are a load. I mean, if they get beat, anybody can get beat in a one-game playoff. But I'll tell you, nobody wants to play the Reds. They're a solid team. And is this year they finally put it together? I don't know. Uh, so much is momentum and luck going into the playoffs. But the Reds are a good team, and they're going to be tough to beat. Well, that's going to do it for our Ask Us segment for this week. Thanks to everyone for writing in. Again, next week you can join us, hopefully with the playoff edition of Ohio Baseball Weekly simply by sending us your questions to ask us at ultimatesportstalk.com or give us a tweet at OHBB co-host. You can also look us up on Facebook at Ultimate Sports Talk. Mark, you know, again, another Major League Baseball subject, the celebration yesterday at Yankee Stadium for Mariano Rivera, who's retiring, one of the classiest guys in Major League Baseball. Andy Pettit is stepping down for the second time. Another classy individual, but really one of the individuals that's retiring this year that is kind of going under the radar and another classy guy. Even though he's had problems in the past, he's always stepped up and taken the heat for it. Todd Helton out in Colorado. And I think this guy, even like Rivera and Pettit, they're still playing at a high level, and so is Todd Helton. I think baseball's losing three great guys this year. Yeah, Todd, Todd Helton, I think, will suffer the stigma of playing in Colorado, his statistics. But this guy's a tough out, and he's always been a tough out. He's played the game hard. He's a smart player. Everybody likes him. And you're right. When guys like this who are marginal, not, I don't mean marginal players, they're, they're great players, but the question always is, are they Hall of Fame players? And I think with, with uh, Rivera, it's a, it's a slam dunk, obviously. If he's not a first uh, you know, a first boat guy, I don't know who would be. Uh, but the other two, you know, is Pettit, I think he has, what, 246 wins, something like that. Uh, is he a Hall of Famer? Uh, he's won a lot of big games. He's a lot of, you know, World Series games. He, he's really been the stud of that team. So that, that'll be interesting to see if he gets, gets nominated. Helton, I think, is either even a bigger question and everybody's going to bring up the facts he, play, he plays in Colorado. But uh, when you look at a player's contribution during his career against other players of that era, just that era, uh, th then you've got to make the argument that Todd Helton certainly over the last 20 years has been one of the best players in baseball. So is, is that enough to warrant Hall of Fame material? I think it is. But we'll see what the voters think. <clears throat> yeah, I agree with you. I think Todd Helton... You know, if he wanted to, Mark, he could go to an American League ball club and DH and probably get his 3,000th hit. Uh, it might take him two years, but nonetheless, I still think he could do it. And that leads me to another question here as we wind down tonight's show. You know, it's, it's almost impossible anymore the way that they protect pitchers and the way they've gone to a five-man rotation, and a lot of people are talking about even a six-man rotation, to get 300 wins in a career anymore. Do you think it's becoming, maybe not impossible, but virtually improbable for someone to achieve 3,000 hits in a career anymore? I think 3,000 hits is far more 
probable than 300 wins because players are, are healthier. They, they, can, they can play longer if they want. You have the DH in the American League that could extend a career for two or three years to get up to 3,000 hits. 300 wins, I, I just don't see it happening. Uh, I, I don't know of a pitcher out there today that even is going to come close. I mean, Pettit, of active pitchers, he's got to be in the top three or four of, of wins. Uh, you know, Kershaw's a young guy. Uh, he's only, what, 22, 20, he's 23, I think, or maybe 24. But he's going to have to win 18 to 19 games for the next 15 years, you know, to, to get to 300. That That is really, really hard to do. <laughs> Number one, at that point, the guy's going to be making $30 million a year for 10 years. He doesn't need to play uh, financially. And physically, for a pitcher, awfully, awfully tough, especially when you're a guy who throws like he does. He throws hard. So what's he going to be like when he's 35? Is he going to still have the same stuff? No, he won't. So it's. I think it's far more difficult to win 300 games than get 3,000 hits. Well, Mark, quickly, okay, the, the Indians are pretty much out of the divisional race. They've only got the wild card to look forward to. Meanwhile, the Reds, they've still got a shot at the division title. The Cardinals have uh, their three games this week against the Nationals tonight, tomorrow, and Wednesday. They've got Thursday off, just like the Reds and the Pirates do. And then over the weekend, they're at home against the Cubs. Meanwhile, the Reds have the Mets, and then they've got Pittsburgh this weekend. What has to happen, obviously with a two-game lead, you've got to have a two-game buffer someplace. Can the Reds overtake the Cardinals? And, and do you think it's probable or improbable that that could happen? Uh, I'd say it's not likely for it to happen just because of the math. But if you look behind the scenes, the the Cardinals have to play a very, very good Washington Nationals team, arguably the best team in the National League right now. Uh, they have one of the best records in September, and they've been playing great ball. And they're still, you know, I was hoping yesterday that they would win the second game because they still are in it, and they they have two games uh, to play with uh, before they're eliminated, and I wanted them to be as motivated as they could possibly be playing St. Louis tonight. Uh, and then they then the Cardinals have to go to Chicago and play the Cubs. Well, the Cubs hate the Cardinals and would like nothing better than to blow them out of the division uh, and and I I think they they are seven and five against the Cardinals are seven and five against the Cubs this year, which is not bad for the Cubs. It's a pretty bad team. So I, I think the Cardinals have a very challenging um, schedule here this last week, and of course the Reds uh, they they play the Pirates after playing the Mets. So it's it's going to be very exciting. But do the Reds have a chance? Yeah, they do. That if they sweep New York. I think it's very likely that Washington's going to win at least one game in St. Louis. And if that's the case, the Reds could go into the weekend only trailing by game. Here's the, here's the interesting thing. If the Reds, say, do move up, they, they may have to play the Cardinals in a one-game playoff to determine the division lead before the loser then plays the Pirates for the wild card. That that could throw everything into chaos. You want to talk about chaos? Okay, here's chaos. If the Indians in Tampa Bay finish tied for the wild card spot, the way I understand it, the first tiebreaker is head to head. They've tied <laughs> three and three this year, so nobody seems to know up here in Cleveland what the second tiebreaker is. But they know that it's probably not an additional playoff game. Well, I'm not so sure about that. Um, you know, I think Major League Baseball would be remiss in not uh, in, in defaulting to something like, uh, you know, some obscure run differential or something like that. So, uh, again, I, you know, for baseball junkies like you and me, th this is a fun week. Every day brings new scenarios, new possibilities. But uh, both of our teams have legitimate chances uh, and, and actually, the, the odds are, are on our collective sides. I mean, we should make the playoffs, and the Reds have a chance to win the division. So uh, it's exciting, and I can't wait till next week. Or maybe I can, depending on what happens. <laughs> it would be a lot of fun, Mark. First time in four years we've done this show that both teams would be in the playoffs at the same time. It's going to be interesting. Mark, 
Have fun this week. Enjoy your MLB network, and uh, we will talk to you again next Monday night. Go, go Indians, go Reds. Go Indians, go Reds. Our thanks to everyone listening tonight. Our thanks to those who wrote in the questions for our Ask Us segment. Don't forget our game, our show coming up on Thursday night. That's at 7 o'clock, the Ultimate Sports Talk Show. We'll be talking about all sports. But Mark and I will be back next Monday night, hopefully with a playoff edition of the Ohio Baseball Weekly Show. Be sure to join us then. Thanks to you for listening, everyone. Thanks to Greg Mitchell, our producer. For Mark Donahue, I'm Dave Mitchell. Until next Monday night, go Indians, go Reds, and we will see you again next week. Good night, everybody.